0: Welcome to Talking Pictures Trivia as we venture into our sub Talking TV Trivia, When there's a TV show that catches our attention, this podcast picks a season and explores each episode through trivia. I'm today's host, Nick, and with me is... Tom. KJ. And I'm Chris. Chris has once again graciously volunteered to join us as a guest for this entire TV show season. We only had to say it was related to Star Wars, and he was still in. For those joining us for the first time, we start off each episode with four trivia questions to determine who will earn today's trivia crown. Then we follow it up with our theme discussion associated with the TV episode, in this case involving season one of Disney's The Mandalorian. KJ, tell us about today's TV episode.
1: Today we'll be discussing episode two of The Mandalorian, also known as Chapter Two, The Child. This episode was directed by Rick Famuyawa and written by Jon Favreau. There will be spoilers for The Mandalorian up through Episode 2, so feel free to pause until you are caught up. In Chapter 2 of The Mandalorian, The Mandalorian has found his ship ransacked by Jawas. We spend this episode on a side quest of The Mandalorian getting his ship back together by trading his services to retrieve an egg. The Mandalorian also finds out that his meme has more power than expected when the child picks up a woolly mammoth with his mind. We end the episode with a repaired ship, and our journey continues.
0: Each question, the points are equal to the number of the question, so let's start it off.
1: It's time for question
0: one. What is the species of the bounty hunters that try to take the child?
2: Locked in. Which ones? It's like 80 of them. Episode two. Oh, okay. I have no idea. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't help at all. Uh the good I'll, news is it's
0: only one point.
2: <laughs> uh uh lock in. I I'm, I'm trying to remember this.
0: So beginning of the episode, he's walking down uh I guess a valley in the rocks, and he's ambushed by these bounty hunters. Oh jeez.
1: Yeah, I guess locked in. I don't remember this at all.
0: Okay. I,
2: rem- I remember this. I will just I, know I, know I will give
0: a, I will give uh a clue. Which I thought might actually make this answerable to everyone, but I'm wrong. There was a famous bounty hunter of the same species in the original trilogy.
2: I that kind of rings a bell, but I don't know what species it is. I mean I locked in something. Okay, I'll just move uh, on. Yeah, I'll update my locked in on that on that information.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: KJ, what is the updated lock-in?
1: <laughs> the updated lock-in. Well, so IG-11 is, I think he's in the original trilogy, but I don't think he's in this episode. But whatever Gerido is, I don't know. He's the only other famous Are you bounty. referring
0: to a Rodian? Is that what you're ah, saying? Ah,
2: yes, a Rodian, yes.
0: Okay, uh,
2: Tom. I was going to say the Utah Pigman of the Great West.
0: Close. Uh, Chris.
3: Uh, they are transdotion
0: They are definitely Trandoshans, just like Bosk. From the original trilogy, uh, it's one of those scenes with the famous bounty hunters. The one in the original trilogy's KG was actually IG-88, which looked oh, very similar to yeah. IG-11. Huh. So I thought there was a chance that you guys might have known Bosk. So he was
2: kind I of a fan favorite. Who's Bosk? The bounty hunter. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> He's in
0: one of those scenes where Darth Vader tells uh, Boba Fett no disintegrations that that He's one of those IG88 and oh,
2: there's like people. Yeah, he looks
3: he looks like a big walking lizard. Yes. Okay. Yes. So those. He's are a Trans- fan Doshans. favorite.
0: Yeah, like there was no. like a cult classic type thing. Those who didn't like the Fat man, you know, like Bosk.
2: I uh, think
3: that scene is just like a cult classic with all with all the yes. bounty hunters on the on the balcony kind of mm. thing. Like that's just a iconic scene. Yeah.
2: A transdotion.
0: Trent. Yeah, transdotion.
2: I don't know why. That sounds very clean, right? That sounds very soothing.
0: They're actually, a, their race is very big on hunting and all that. So they're kind of mm. bred for that. So mm. in fact, they, they're they known for hunting Wookiees. So it's one of those. Deals. Sounds like a brand
2: mm-hmm. of jacuzzi, right? <laughs> Ooh, you have a trendosian. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm not following along here. So I'm going to move on to question two.
1: <laughs> it's time for Question two.
0: This is more of a statement than a question. So answer it either way. Name the Mandalorian's weapon of choice in this episode.
2: Oh, locked in. Locked in.
1: So I know, we don't do plot summaries before this, but this is the one with the Jawas and the Mudhorn, right?
0: You did literally the plot summary <laughs> of this episode.
2: <laughs> my jokes come back to haunt me. All right, locked in. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm going to start with KJ. All
1: right. So my joke answer is the knife. Um, My real answer is the fire, wrist fire, um, flame, yoga flame.
0: Okay. Tom.
3: I'm going to say the disintegrating gun. And Chris. Uh, I think it's called a phase pulse blaster.
0: Okay. So the points are going to go to Tom and Chris it is an Amban phase pulse blaster, also known as an Amban sniper rifle. And yes, that is the gun that does have the disintegration rounds, Tom. So mm-hmm. you're, you're on board there. Nah. KJ, you were also referring to a vibro blade. And he does use the flamethrower a lot in this series, but I wouldn't say that was the one he utilized the most in this episode. There were a lot of Jawas that just kind of vanished, which was awesome, by the way.
2: Poof it seems like he used the blaster more, but the the one shot aspect of this gun made it more you know you couldn't you couldn't use it all the time
1: it's time for question three
0: when is the first time we see the force being used
2: Oh locked in yeah, locked in locked in
1: so for pub trivia, right people uh, the, the there's usually a a quiz master guy and he may have the trivia wrong but you got to give him the answer he wants not a real answer so the first time and i also i want to make sure i understand the scope this is this episode right not this series
0: this episode okay and possibly this series
1: well and that's yeah. that's where i think i'm gonna okay so um uh when uh, but the answer
0: is within this episode
1: okay um that when helps. the mudhorn is lifted. Ah, uh, uh, yeah,
2: I'm locked in with that. It's it's kind of a trick question because it's when the mud horn is lifted, but you see Yoda attempting to heal a cut he has, or Baby Yoda, or whatever the little the child, say, the child, sure, um, attempting to heal a cut. Um, but it's it's unclear whether actually any force, any force actually is used. It looks like an attempt. So I'm gonna I'm going to cheat. And say that's the first attempt, but the first demonstrative usage is the lifting of the, the horn.
3: Yeah, Tom. Tom has exactly what my answer is that the like uh, the little the little child tries to heal the Mando's wounds from the transdotion fight, but I don't know that he's successful because the Mandalorian keeps picking him up and putting him back in the pram. Uh, but you definitely see the Force being used as the question says when he lifts the 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 woolly mammoth. I think was in our.
0: Well, I'm happy to say that everyone is going to get the points on this one. It was a bit of a trick question. Uh, I've had debates with some other people, or maybe you guys even, I'm not even sure, of when the first time was. And he was not successful uh, in that attempt. The first time we actually see a successful attempt is the lifting of the mudhorn, a.k.a. K.J.'s woolly mammoth. So congrats to all. Uh, you navigated around what I thought was supposed to be a trick question. So good job.
1: It's time for question four.
0: How do the Jawas insult the Mandalorian?
2: Oh, locked in.
0: That was a confident Tom Lockton there. Yeah, in, man. I remember that.
3: <laughs> locked in. I'm going to say locked in. I like K.J.'s answer, so I'm going to
0: keep going with KJ. <laughs>
1: So if I remember the scene correctly, it's when the Mandalorian comes back with Nick Nolte and they're hanging out with the Jawas and the Jawas like, er. and the Mandalorian says, those are my parts. And the Jawas kind of laugh at him like, yeah, no, I mean, we have them. So the insult is we have, the insult is the joke about whose parts they actually are right now.
2: Okay, Tom? Um, He tries to speak to them and they say, your jawa is terrible you you sound like a wookie
3: chris yep that was my locked in answer he sounds oh, like a
2: Wookiee. oh
3: i thought tom might have been able
2: to sneak a win in
3: here
0: <laughs> there looked like there was some thought process going on with chris for our <laughs> audio audience there
3: but it, it took does, a couple seconds yeah
0: yeah <laughs> so it does look like uh chris is victorious again with a clean slate here with 10 points Uh, Tom came pretty darn close with nine points and KJ was on the board with three. So the the episode is going to go to Chris, uh, but that was a good one for everyone. And the reality is my bonus question would have been a waste anyway, because I was going to ask the name of the weapon used to kill the Mudhorn, but it kind of came up in conversation. So I thought it was worth sharing that that was a Vibro blade.
2: Yeah, so that kills that thing? It looked like a, it's a pretty you
0: powerful pencil. uh weapon.
2: Does does it come up elsewhere in Star Wars?
0: It does exist. Vibroblades do exist, and apparently they can cut through lots of things. Like they're very, mm. very strong. It's like a vibrating blade. So I think it mm. almost think of it as if it had like a sawing motion. The only thing in that scene, I don't know how it continued to protrude deeper into that animal, but It's Star Wars.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there you go. We don't know the
0: size of that animal's brain, you know, where it resides. Were they
2: called Ginsu blades? Remember those things? They used to sell them on television, cutting pennies. (laughs) <laughs> that's what I was thinking. They're it's the a... next
0: evolution, except oh, they... that they vibrated.
2: <laughs>
3: oh, oh, okay. <laughs> a... yeah, no. They they show up in the movies. Uh, the Gamorian guards, the big green pig people in J- in Jabba's palace. Mm-hmm. Like their axes are supposed to be vibra blades as well. Yeah. Like that's the one of the only canon times you see it in the movies, though. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay.
0: And they don't have the same special effects of vibrating, <laughs> so. Mm okay back to back congrats to chris our winner for this episode yeah i did want to dive into a related topic that came up when i was watching this it's the theory of lone wolf and cub i'm not sure if any of you are familiar with that material but it's the pretty much the story we see the plot line over and over of a seasoned outcast having to take care of a young one but we'll explore that a little bit further when we're back from our quick break
2: Hi, this is Kai Tan from Lightsaber Duck Removal. We here at LSDR have recently been bought out by the Duck Star, a really interesting company that staffs Imperial warships and even TIE fighters with talented and eager ducks. LSDR's ducks are trained to operate the navigation systems of Imperial Star Destroyers, both Class 1 and 2, are trained in warp speed installation and repair tractor beam operations and maintenance empire shuttle luxury service tie fighter maneuvers and even death star actuarial and accounting assistance so contact lsdr or duckstar corp for all your staffing needs fully certified ducks are ready to start today
0: and we're back i mentioned before we left this episode made me think Of um, a theme we see in a lot of different movies of this outcast with taking care of a, a younger child or something of that matter. And one of the things that I was reading about that this referenced a lot was a manga actually called Lone Wolf and Cub, which was later turned into a a series of movies. I cannot say that I'm familiar with the source material, but I did a little research on this. But it's the same thing where a formidable warrior and master swordsman is outcasted from a powerful position. And again, I don't have all the details here and has to take his young child with him on the road to fight for hire along the way. So, I mean, a direct correlation to what we have here and we do see this in other movies. So I just thought it'd be fun to explore that further. And then of course, really talk about anything we enjoyed or wanted to bring up that was relevant about this episode.
2: Yeah. It's a good subgenre, right? Because it, it, um, you know, it, it allows this kind of, uh, you see the kind of the manifestation of the parental figure, right. Who has to kind of protect the child and as a consequence or protect the, you know, the, the smaller, weaker thing. And as a consequence becomes even more dangerous to the outside world, right. That his world becomes all the kind of smaller, all the more smaller because he has to uh, keep guard against this, against this, this child. And what's interesting, the, the, this shift or change that the mandalorian brings to this seems to be and i don't know this genre well enough to say if this is n- not manifesting anywhere else but the, the change here seems to be that the mandalorian is part of this very traditional unit right the mandalores and there's a way of doing things that go back to time immemorial or maybe something you guys know better than me but there's this kind of traditional unit and the idea of having to adopt both a kind of parental role in protecting baby Yoda and also um and also sort of seeing himself in the child because he had this kind of foundling experience where his parents were killed and he was he was left astray. Um, you know, he, he kind of sees himself in the child and sort of for that reason, for his own personal history, ends up taking on the role of the warrior in the relationship of the warrior and the cub, and therefore has to violate. This kind of traditional structure that has given his life not only meaning, but has offered him protection when he was a foundling. And so there's an interesting irony built into the the show in that way. Not yet. (laughs) What? Oh, no. What? (laughs) But he, at the end of episode two, he rescues him, right? He doesn't? Oh, son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. he thinks
0: about doing it maybe in the
2: future. <laughs> How does this one end?
0: Sorry.
1: He just gets his ship parts
2: back, or no? I actually gets oh, his ship back. Oh no, that's right.
3: Uh. I like this idea of it being of of it being the uh, like the protector and the cub, or the protector and the young one. And I think that you can see a shift, like in, in this episode, episode two. It's all about asset. Like he's protecting the child because it's an asset but i i feel like as we progress further into the series that that dynamic might change and you might become more of a of a parental figure as opposed to anything else uh, and i do I really like that this episode is really great. I think it's got some comedic value to it with the Jawa stuff. I like that you get to see the Mandalorian not be the superhero. That he gets beat around, that the Mudhorn is about to kill him. He's literally willing to die a warrior's death. He holds up his sword, his sword, his little knife, the vibroblade. And he's ready to let this guy impale him, but he's going to go down fighting. Uh, and then it isn't until the, the child gets involved that we actually get a, get a, get a finale that we want. But I just think it's really good that, you know, he's not he's not uh, a superhero. He's not Luke Skywalker. He doesn't have the force. He's just a, a dude trying to fight his way through the galaxy. And he is not necessarily up to the job at all the times. Like, and I thought that was good. It also shows you might be able to see growth in the character if you start off at the bottom and you find your way progressing further into the future.
0: You're spot on. He, he got his bounty. He comes back. His ship is ripped apart. He tries to get the Jawas. He gets knocked off a sand crawler, which I think would probably knock the wind out of you. I don't care how strong Beskar Steel is. I don't think it's that absorbent, but that's just my thoughts on that. And then he gets beat up to the point where, and this is a little bit of a spoiler, his armor loses its integrity. <laughs> just say. So yeah, he is definitely flawed and not necessarily as a human being but they're showing that connection that he the is not- The child immortal. introduces
2: the mystery into the show, right? Well, you know, the, the, once the child kind of raises his hand, and, and we, we know what the force is as, as people who, you know, who were born after Star Wars was made. Um, and, and it's kind of clear this is a descent, this, some, this is somehow related to Yoda because you know, it looks like Yoda and it can use the force in an extraordinary way. But it, it introduces that, that element of mystery um, and what ends up happening with the Mandalore once he sees the, the, the rhinoceros creature lift into the air, um, suddenly his, his world is, it's not undone, but he notices the borders of his own experience, right? Because he doesn't understand this. He doesn't get what is happening in front of his face. And so the, the child becomes not only something he's clearly sympathetic for, to, towards, I mean, the the end of the first episode, he kills the robot to stop the robot from, from killing the child. Now that could be, he can make more money by bringing the child back alive, but you also get the sense that he's, he's sympathetic to a child's life. But here we, we're moving past that and seeing that there's this, this kind of element of, of boundary expansion that has to happen. Right? It isn't happening yet in this episode, but it, it's going to have to because now he's met a limit on his experience.
0: But what's also interesting about when the Mandalorian witnesses the child lift the mudhorn, we know more about the Force than he does. He's shocked and awed. Like, this is nothing. He's seen a lot of things, let me tell you, I'm sure, through his different uh, travels and bounties this catches him completely off guard it seems
3: yeah we we've seen we know star wars through the movies with luke skywalker and darth vader and the forces throughout all of them they're the wizards of the universe but for a regular person living on a backwater planet like the force is a fairy tale it's like king arthur pulling the sword out of the stone like you've never seen that before you just assume that it's that it's a fantasy and then he sees it for the first time in real life in action and it's if it's as if magic is real it's that like realization and you're absolutely right. He is going to grow as he, as he goes further. And I think you're going to see that kind of change his character as you progress through the season.
0: Where we see that in the original trilogy is definitely Han Solo. Cause he's like, Oh yeah, that's just all talk. You know, I forget. Oh gosh. How can I not remember the quote with the blast, the trusty blaster at his side that, you know, that that's, that's his religion.
2: It's, it's a dramatic irony, right? We, we know more than the characters. So, uh, how, far,
1: how far are we from the fall of the Republic? The old Republic. 35 years, right? 35 years. How old do we think the Mandalorian is? Roughly. 30 years old? Yeah,
3: somewhere mid, mid-30s. In other words, do we
1: think he was around during the Clone Wars? I do
0: think he was around during the Clone Wars.
1: Okay. So, he was, I don't know, a child when there were Jedi everywhere. I don't understand how this universe forgot about the force. So it was, it's
3: propaganda. The empire made you forget. Yes. So it's basically Uh the, basically the emperor knew the Jedi were around and he made a, uh, uh, so a propaganda machine to like basically erase the existence of Jedi. He goes around and collects all the artifacts. There's lots of stories of Darth Vader going and finding lightsabers and different Jedi and Sith artifacts and hoarding them, taking them away, basically kind of locking up art. And and like kind of like when in, in World War Two, they were taking away and hiding all of the art pieces. Yes. Palpatine was doing all that. He was taking away all of the Jedi lore so that people would literally forget. Like he was rewriting the textbooks so that you know people wouldn't know that they existed and when it was it was just kind of like hearsay like oh i'm old enough that i remember jedi it's like oh no you're just an old fool like he was literally trying to make it that way because to, to everybody else palpatine was just like you know any world leader or any president any uh, any prime minister but uh, it was only to us as the viewer of the movie that we realized how evil his 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 propaganda was
0: yeah, they reference that in some other books and other other media. Not too long after we know the fall of the you know the end of the Clone Wars. Let's put it that way, and they're already myth. Like they're all like, "What are you talking about, Jedi?" It's it's like talk again fairy tales. So I mean, I'd say ten ten plus years. It wasn't that long.
3: And it was one of those things that like if you came out against the Empire's propaganda, you would be you'd be murdered. So a lot of people that knew about them were mum about them and didn't talk about them. And then once everything had changed and you get a new generation come through, the Jedi are gone.
2: That is a very successful propaganda machine.
0: (laughs) He was very good at he's very good at whatever
2: that is. Yeah, yeah. No,
0: no. His plans for all this stuff. Was way before even the Clone Wars. I mean, he really has secret laboratories all over the galaxy. There's a lot. Of levels of pr- preparation that Palpatine took. Yeah, man. in many Ed, different avenues.
2: Edward Bernays has nothing on him.
0: Our fans will love that reference.
2: <laughs> it's, sorry, Edward Bernays was the <laughs> the nephew of Freud, and he wrote. Uh, he was a he worked in a- a- advertisement, and he wrote a very famous book on propaganda. Um, you know which if you're an Audible Plus member, you can get for free now on Audible. No, they don't sponsor us. (laughs) But they should. Just use the code. At
1: Talking Studios for a 0% discount.
0: (laughs) They may charge you more, actually. (laughs)
3: i just love jawas i I, I love this i love the egg i thought the whole thing was great like send this guy on a dastardly mission that almost kills him for an egg and it's nothing like i was like oh they're gonna crack it open. there's gonna be like an oyster there's gonna be a diamond inside no they just wanted to cut the top of it and stick their their disgusting hands in it and just start pulling out yolk i was it was a delicacy
0: that's all it was was, yeah
3: it it was a it was an awesome awesome site to the, like the, the was were like they had no regard for his life they are like yeah go get this egg yeah we'll give you some stuff back if you get this, this egg and then it was yeah was great. it also makes you realize how
2: like cheap engine stuff is right it's like we'll give you all that back for like an egg you know for this delicacy um,
0: I think it's the way things are valued just like we were saying before mm-hmm. how rare Beskar Steel is they probably would never have been able to get this egg and now they have it so you know money is relative right or like value yeah. is relative so that was that experience they will live the rest of their life remembering that experience the time they had that you know furry egg yolk
2: yeah but it's based on scarcity and it's just, it's like it's an interesting world the star wars world cuz it seems like most technology doesn't isn't really that good except space travel and like blasting people you know <laughs> and even the blasters are considerably slower than bullets. And so it's just interesting how like the the engines that get people from place to place just aren't that valuable. They're kind of cheap.
0: Well, that's just a plot device. And even when you break it down throughout various Star Wars stories, the amount of time it takes to go in light speed is exactly as much time as they need to tell the story. And that's just like-
2: That, yeah, that's in fine. Star Wars that's, that's accepted
0: yeah. that's just straight yeah. up accepted
2: <laughs> yeah but that, that's fine you need yeah. ways of getting from place to place definitely you know, without the spice or
0: check out our website TalkingPicturesTrivia.com for more information about us and our episodes you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts as well as our YouTube channel we are extremely grateful for any positive reviews as those help others like you find us if you like what you hear remember to like and subscribe to our show Do you feel more like a lone wolf or a cub? And why? Leave a comment on our YouTube channel and let's continue the conversation. Chris, it was great having you on today. Thanks so much for joining us.
3: It's always a good time to talk about Star Wars. Thank you very much for having me again. How
0: about we do this again next week?
3: I think that sounds like a great idea.
0: (laughs) Okay. Additionally, you can follow us on Twitter at Talking Studios. Where can they find the rest of you guys?
2: You can find me on Twitter at
1: Thomas Lehman, 15 And you can find me on Twitter at KJ1010.
0: I can also be found on Twitter at The Nicknamed. Join us next time when we continue the Mandalorian with chapter three, The Sin. Talk to you then.